I think adamantium is really light, too. I could see vibranium being light, but adamantium not being light. Well, no, because it makes wolverine heavy. What am I talking about? What is the specific gravity <laughs> of adamantium? I think at this point, we need to s- suspend our disbelief and just kind of move on with the episode. Welcome back, everybody, and thank you so much for joining us. This is Radioactive Spider Pod, the podcast that looks back on the 90s Spider-Man cartoon and asks, how hard is it to come up with a robot shaped like a dude? I'm your host for the day, the moth-eaten Kevin McAvoy, and I'm joined, as always, by my reckless relic hunters, the vestigial Vero Taylor. Much like my role in this podcast, it was important and is fading over time. (laughs) And the primordial (laughs) Peter Iskandar. Zug Zug. (laughs) That's also a thing you can say. (laughs) Before we get into it, check out our social media for screenshots, updates, all that good stuff. We're on at RA Spider Pod on Twitter, at Radioactive Spider Pod on Facebook and Instagram. And all the links are on our website, RadioactiveSpiderPod.com. We're also on Patreon, where we do some exclusive content like bonus episodes and reviews. That's Patreon.com slash Radioactive Spider Pod. Now, reading that has made my mouth dry as a tomb, so what's on tap for today, guys? Um, I have got some Yellowtail Pinot Grige mixed with some Peach Pear LaCroix, because why not? You gotta cut it, it's a little strong. (laughs) Yeah, it's a bit too strong. I've got a Collective Arts Ransack the Universe. Uh, It's a beer, it's good. Nice, and I'm drinking a Great Lakes Brewery Sunnyside Session IPA. Because I'm always looking on the sunny side of life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess that means it's time oh, to get into things. So bust out your slabs of granite and set your watches as we're set to watch Neogenic Nightmare Chapter 11, The Tablet of Time. The Tablet of Time first aired November 18th of 1995 and is, blessedly, based on The Amazing Spider-Man, issue number 73. So that means it's time for a newly reinvigorated edition of Peter's Comic Book Minute. Peter's Comic Book Minute. Yeah, Amazing Spider-Man number 73, called The Web Closes, was published on June 10th, 1969, and was written by Stan the Man Lee, with uh, pencils by John Ringa Ding Ramita Sr. and Big John Basima. So the only thing similar between this episode and the comic is that Silvermane wants the tablet and Doc Connor shows up and there's Spider-Man. I hope there's Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, that's three things. That's three things. In the comics, Silvermane hires a man called Man Mountain Marco, not to be confused with Flint Marco or the Sandman, mm-hmm. to go and get the tablet from Shocker's girlfriend. <laughs> he fights Spider-Man and gets the tablet. And it's honestly not that exciting of an issue. Sorry, sorry, Stan. Oh, well, I mean, <laughs> yeah. if it's if it's a dull one, it's a dull one. But our story begins with an expedition to a ruined temple where expository archaeologists locate the fabled Tablet of Time. We move to John Beard, giving us the 411 on the tablet. It's super expensive and may give eternal life. And we also get a roundup of characters who've taken an interest. Dr. Kirk Connors, who's studying it, the Daily Bugle team who are reporting on it, Spider-Man, who wants to protect it, as well as Willie Fisk and Silvermane, who are competing to steal it. Mustache guy's the best guy. Uh, Metcalf? 
The guy who yells Metcalf. There it is, Metcalf. The ancient pyramid of the Toltecs. Lost for ten centuries. <laughs> Metcalf! I like that they make it spooky because the guy's light goes out, so you know there's some mysteriousness afoot. <laughs> he says it's an ancient pyramid of the Toltecs, and I looked it up. They were a real civilization that was the precursor to the Aztecs, and they were located in Mexico around 900 to 1168 Common Era, which makes that lost for 10 centuries comment quite accurate, actually. Oh. I also tried to learn a little bit more about them, if they had something about time and tablets or anything like that. Right. But all I was getting was results from people trying to teach me how to use UFOs and ancient magic to boost my sexual potency. Oh. And I'm already doing that, so I was like, fuck you. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to get more Rosetta Stone ads. <laughs> so I guess Connors is studying it because they actually believe it has genetic powers like i would have expected it to go to the archaeology department according to ancient legend the tablet of time once held the secret of eternal life today it will be studied at new york's empire state university under the auspices of dr kurt connors i get that you he's useful for this because you know of the implications that it can do something you know sciencey but you'd want to pair him with like you said an archaeologist maybe a historian yeah, maybe. Hold on, hold on. So this tablet from an ancient civilization mm-hmm. may or may not have age-defying characteristics, or they believe might have age-defying characteristics, so they're treating mm-hmm. it super seriously, yes. but a guy can't have four metallic arms. <laughs> and also they're giving it to the guy who is taking care of the neogenic recombinator, which constantly <laughs> gets stolen and creates <laughs> monsters. That's a, good point. That's a good point. They ask him if it's real and like when they're interviewing him and he says, Do you seriously believe that this tablet can grant eternal life? I'm just the kind of scientist who believes that anything's possible. Yeah, okay, so a bad one. <laughs> Smash cut to Connor's zapping the tablet with the neogenic recombinator. <laughs> just <'cause laughs> it's helping. It's helping. <laughs> it appears it can do literally anything, so whatever. Yeah. So I thought the same thing too. I thought, what the fuck is Doc Connors doing doing with this, right? Uh, but in the comics, they ask him to do it, and he flies in from the Everglades, hmm. and they don't give a reason why. It's like, all right, well, we might as well go and use the guy that turns into a fucking lizard. Nothing has ever gone wrong there. I guess they were just trying to spice it up. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. They kind of zip around to all the other players really quick, which is a kind of a cool way to, you know, get this thing going and, and kind of set things up. I like that as a right. plot device. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, we might have to uh, steal that line from the Daily Bugle. Clear the front page, Robbie. This is news. Yeah. It was not the best line read from Ed Asner because I think it's like the only thing he says in this whole episode. So he really steers into it. But uh, I really like that. This is news. And I think they only included Robbie and Jonah because they are in the comic. And Robbie and his son actually have a conversation, like a pretty serious conversation about civil rights. I mean, this came out in 1969. The civil rights movement is obviously still going on then. So Stan Lee. You know, yeah. being a, a social outreach, too. We were talking about it before the episode. It, it was actually pretty well done, you know? Like, it, it was an interesting conversation. They do bring it back to Robbie and his son later in the series, if I do recall correctly. Cool. I think Tombstone and uh, those two have some unfinished business. Alrighty. So, John Beard, he's the broadcast side of J3. Does, yes. does Jonah really not know what 
a breaking story that is from his own <laughs> like broadcasting station. Yeah, he's how does like, he not know this? Yeah, and then he's like, put that on the paper. That's news, baby. It's like, yeah, you're <laughs> reporting like, on it. <laughs> yeah, Jonah, you own this. You yeah. own this station. It's, but it's news. <laughs> this is news. They cut to Robbie being like every day, every day with this. He's always 24 hours behind. That's why That's why he owns the station. He knows when things are news. <laughs> Let me get the strong boy Fisk in his purple aerobics clothes. <laughs> yeah, move over, Jane Fonda. We got a, the new sexy onesie. <laughs> yeah, I think it's oh. Richard Simmons sweating with the oldies. Yep. I like that they animated him with tons of muscles, though. We finally get to see what's under that suit. Yeah, first time out of the suit, and he's swole as fuck. Yeah, yeah. those pecs? Well, baby. Yeah, but he's also thick as maple syrup. <laughs> thick as morning maple syrup, as we say in Canada. Don't doubt that. Now I want a shot of him and Micro fighting <laughs> in the same outfits. Yeah, really. Oh, my gosh. Man, he ends his uh, session at the gym the same way I do. Just going, <laughs> this workout is over. That's <laughs> yeah. why I'm not welcome at the gym anymore. <laughs> oh, you're one of those guys, huh? <laughs> How else will they know? This workout is over. To be fair, Kevin, you're one of the guys who dances at the gym in front of the mirror when he could easily be doing that at home. Aww. Is that not allowed? <laughs> not, not in my gyms. Yeah, it does cut to Silvermane next. And I love it because he picks up the phone that's not yet ringing and just says into it, I must have that tablet. To like the dial tone. Yeah. <laughs> As secretary's like, damn it, he did it again. Yeah, there's no one on the other end, bud. You got up desk nine, nine to get out. <laughs> or maybe it's since it's 1996 and that's uh, that's the year that Viagra was patented. He just saw a very different news report and he's like oh, hunting for a very different kind of tablet. <laughs> oh, my God. I must have it. Oh, my God. For our erections, I must have that tablet. Oh, going to be stiff as a tablet of time. Is this entire episode a euphemism for Viagra? He wants to be young again? Like, that's what yes. I'm putting forth. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Nice. I like um, it. But you know what, guys? At least we're fucking done with Morbius, and we've we're back at the fucking Kingpin, which isn't that exciting of a character, but it's just fucking refreshing. Yeah. There won't be any undead characters in this episode. I got a feeling. Yeah. All of them will be breathing and have mm-hmm. a pulse and scene. <laughs> At New York Harbor, the Tablet of Time is being unloaded under sarcastic, quote, high security and sarcastic, quote. Hammerhead and some hired goons show up with two canisters of tear gas and a helicopter to steal the tablet, but Spidey intervenes. After some matadoring and a close call on a fish grinder, Spider-Man manages to save the Tablet of Time. It's a great 3D reconstruction of that New York skyline and Lady Liberty. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Great for 1996, yes. Yeah, I mean, don't look at the water. (laughs) Hey, good for this show. Let's, let's no for sure. It reminded me of reboot. Yeah, because it looked like the game city. Warning, incoming game. Warning, incoming game. The guys are still wearing their safari gear. I noticed that too. <laughs> Metcalf and the Yelling Man have their like white guy expedition clothes on, even though they took a fucking steamer from Mexico. <laughs> Who are these fucking nerds. The Archaeology Society issued khakis with the cargo short adaptation. Yes. And then with the Jumanji expansion pack. The Van Pelt special, as we'd like to call it. Damn. I shall need a replacement weapon. As far as heisting goes, they did, a, they did an okay job. I just don't like that 
two canisters of tear gas clear an entire pier of all its security. What terrible security, too. They should have called Lee Wald. Spider-Man shows up and he's like fighting with Hammerhead and the goons are doing goon stuff. Spider-Man and Hammerhead are really chummy (laughs) throughout this whole thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Spidey has a couple of good chirps. Why is a smart crook like you pulling a crazy stunt like this? You've always seemed so level-headed. And then says, Ole! As he dodges the Hammerhead charge. But then they take a second to really talk about his feelings. Is that a skull? Is he wearing like a helmet? Well, he says he has adamantinum or whatever. He mispronounces it. Ouch. Doesn't that hurt? Ah, this is pure adamantium. No damage, no foul. Adamantium. He struggles through that line, Reed. (laughs) (laughs) I can feel that the uh, voice actor was like, it's already struggling with the Jersey accent and then tries to like Jersey of Adamantium. It's like he didn't have his reading glasses and just saw a whole bunch of vowels and just gave it his best shot. Actually, the voice actor's name is Nikki Blair. You probably wouldn't guess it from this, but... At the time this was recorded, he probably would have been 69 years old. Wow. Wow. Is he from the early pictures? Uh, Yeah, he did a lot of those early pictures. He's born in Brooklyn, so uh, it's a semi-authentic accent there. He's not Jersey, but Brooklyn. Uh, He did A Bronx Tale. He was in that. He was Mm. in Godfather 3. Oh, yeah, the best one. Ooh, he was in uh, the original TV series of Batman, the 1966 one. Oh, wow. He was a, a villain named Shivers. Probably a uh, accomplice uh, of Mr. Yeah. Freeze. Apparently their the henchmen's names were Chill and Shivers. So Hammerhead poorly charges into the tablet of time and knocks it almost clean into the water, which just shows how much of a high quality henchman he really is. And then Spider-Man does the like, hey, watch it. The tablet's no good to anyone broken. But then he immediately hits him again anyway. Yeah, I think that was on Spider-Man, though. That was definitely on Spider-Man. He should have used that moment he got from that to his advantage and swung away or something. He's just a dude. Oh, no, you know what he should have done? Taken the tablet and swung around and smashed his hammerhead with it. No, everybody's so cavalier with his fucking tablet the entire fucking episode. (laughs) If the Neogenic Recombinator has taught us anything, it's that these things are invincible. No, the Neogenic Recombinator is indestructible. Yeah. Not the tablet of time. It's less it's than for o- millennia. <laughs> yeah, but not by being hit by fucking skulls. Oh. oh. <laughs> Use your head. Uh, forget I said that. I like this giant fish grinder. I don't know what that's for, but cool. No, but uh, you know what I didn't like, Kevin? The fact that he just webs the grinders and then he's just like, Good thing I made this new batch of webbing extra sticky. Like, no, I'm sorry. Honestly, if he just pulled out a web cartridge and thrown it in there and it had exploded and, and gummed up the machinery, yeah. a regular one, I'd been like, yep. Yep. Or that wouldn't he done. just shoot web to the boat and pull himself out? Good point. Also a valid argument. Because he wanted to cause property damage. <laughs> That's what he does. He's a menace. I was more disappointed at his missed opportunity of making a Captain America reference when he hucks the giant saw blade just like Captain America does a shield. I guess that's the reason why he does all this stuff here, so that he can get the blade, so that he can cut down the tablet of time as they're trying to make their getaway with it, and it makes the whole thing a little bit yeah. higher stakes. It makes it kind of cool. 
Uh-huh. And then and then there's a great back and forth about something not smelling right. Something here doesn't smell right. Aren't you listening? Spider-Man's a hero. No, no, I mean, something really smells bad. Uh, sorry. Yeah, but he also, Spider-Man's still holding the tablet of time. I'm like, you could have put it down, bud. He's just showing off the fact that he's really strong. Hey, I don't uh, believe it. I don't believe it. No way. Those, those <laughs> thighs would be quivering. He's holding the squat too long. Yeah. We'll talk about this later. <laughs> At Crime Headquarters B, an irate Silvermane rips into Hammerhead, vowing to bring in a professional to get the tablet. He then provides some healthy exposition about this whole thing and how it works to a woman who will remain a mystery for no reason, so don't worry about it. <laughs> Hammerhead takes such verbal abuse and does not have the spine to take it, apparently, because he just breaks down. He's on the verge of tears. How could you fail so miserably? It was Spider-Man's fault. It was your fault. Look at you. You're a joke. Like, you think you'd be able to sack up a little bit when you're being, like, I berated by this guy with such prominent liver spots all over oh his face? They did gosh. not shy away with how many liver spots they gave Silverman. Like, we get nope. it. He's an old man, but no, no. It reminded me of uh, when Mr. Burns sneaks up on Homer and he's just like, liver spot? Liver spot. <laughs> when he talks about how old he is, I just was hoping he's like, oh, I'm so old, weak. And pathetic, like that woman's nephew that Kingpin kidnapped. <laughs> oh, God. He was such a weaner. Oh, God. He was so weak. Oh, oh. what a fucking nerd that guy was. God, what was, was his name? You kidnap an old lady and strong arm her weak nephew. Pathetic. So I was watching the episode earlier, and I paused at this point to go and read the comic it was based off of. And I was like hoping that they would bring in Man Mountain Marco. <laughs> It is a damn fine name. <laughs> I know, right? And then so I kind of like hoped that it would be the same villain from the comic, but unfortunately it wasn't. I'm bringing in someone else to do this job. A real pro. You can't do this to me. Stop complaining. Another thing that I was uh, thinking when he said he was going to go and hire someone else, I'm like, you better not be fucking hiring the Hobgoblin. <laughs> I swear <laughs> to God. <laughs> I want money. <laughs> I have the perfect plan. I'm going to hire the hobgoblin and then i won't pay him <laughs> i don't foresee any problems oh my gosh he just like comes in just like makes a quip about hammerhead and just yeah uh. so he starts going into the tablet of time and uh how he researched it so he gives you this whole breakdown and i completely misunderstood this as a kid uh-huh. i thought that they made a bunch of dudes spend their entire lives racing, (laughs) and then if you win, you get your life back. But the truth is only slightly less stupid, because every decade, they have a race between all the old warriors and make them climb a temple, presumably so they can bet on them because it's funny. (laughs) Oh, obviously. I got 10 pesos on the red short guy. Exactly. And then if you win, they use the sun and lasers to make you young again. But, like, why is it that the fastest guy up this temple is the one who gets to be young again and not the guy who, like, killed the most people in battle or was the most vulnerable? Like, the guy who climbs the fastest is, by definition, the guy who doesn't need his youth the most. (laughs) Maybe he's the only one who survives. Like, they imply that it's a really hard race up this temple. So, like, everybody else just dies. 
from or maybe it just got like home alone style booby traps so like they get halfway up the temple and then they step on some legos or like hot wheels (laughs) and then they fall down the temple the toltecs invented legos as a torture device (laughs) they have to chase a like a fucking 10 year old macaulay culkin up the thing i'm up here you morons you guys give up or you're thirsty for more uh listen all i gotta say is this is probably the origin of legends of the hidden temple what's up nickelodeon and that's why it was so difficult. They had to find those medallions. So you get to the end, you get slimed. No, oh, that's guts. <laughs> I'm just making fun of you now. <laughs> those are great shows. Keep this in. But then you realize that it's like they were just actually a bunch of assholes racing old men for sport, which so I totally agree with you. <laughs> yeah, it's for fun. Just beyond the shot are like all the bookies taking money and like they're like shells or whatever they use for currency. Why do they do this every decade? Why not every year? They're still old men. That's the one thing I liked about it, because what I took it to mean was they needed like the sun in the exact right position, because even the sun is not always the same distance away from the earth, depending on even what year it is. Like it goes in cycles. Yes. So like maybe every decade, the sun is close enough oh, that it can provide okay. enough energy right. to use the tablet just right. Mm-hmm. And then that's why we're having all these problems later in the episode when uh-huh. they're trying to like laser it and use modern shit it's because you have to get put the exact right amount of energy in to make it do what it wants otherwise you're just gonna fucking obliterate the person okay or the oldest person who makes it to the top just gets killed behind the scenes and then they just walk out some random young guy in the same outfit and then everybody just cheers and that's how it really works (laughs) <laughs> maybe it's all yeah, it's all a ruse it's just like the huge guy's ruse. mom is still alive she's like you never looked like that he had blue eyes and, and she just stabbed <laughs> yeah. like they were sacrificing to our god or whatever like kick her down the mountain yeah, the that's... sun the sun is their god the sun oh is yeah right god. so you can still see that silver Mane is pissed off about that whole helicopter thing yeah people don't forget <laughs> i could make myself young again and strong enough to grind my enemies into the dust beneath my feet. Enemies like the Kingpin. It's because, like, when Kingpin threw him out of the helicopter, he put a hook around his belt. Yeah. Basically, he just gave this man, this old man, the most atomic of wedgies. Like, it was the ultimate jock move on the part of Big Willie Fisk. Well, that's why they call him the Kingpin. He only handles the best wedgies. Chateau Willie Fisk, we find Kingpin eating dinner, shocker, with his wife Vanessa, who is sad that he's always so busy with crime. Their argument is cut short, though, and she is sent away by Kingpin, who's busy with crime, when Hammerhead breaks in to try and switch allegiances. Kingpin is skeptical, as he's been hurt before, but he begins moving on getting that tablet of time thing for himself. Vanessa's first appearance. Hola, Vanessa Fisk has entered the game. That's true. Vanessa Fisk is played here by Carolyn Goodall, who you might recognize in some of her other wifely roles when she was the wife of Peter Pan in Hook. Oh, and Oscar Schindler's wife in Schindler's List, among other things. She's she's got a a fairly good IMDb page going. Oh, wow. Well, good for her. You know, I I don't blame Vanessa for being pissed. No, like. She cuts to the core of him in this one. Vanessa, my dear wife, you seem so distant tonight. 
be something wrong. I'm not happy, Wilson. The beginning of it's so funny because Kingpin's like, Vanessa, you seem so distant. Is something wrong? Did you see me in my aerobics outfit? (laughs) (laughs) Please don't post that on the gram. (laughs) Hashtag swole life. I don't know if that's a thing. He eats like a whole potato or chicken ball. We can't quite decide what it is he's eating. I'm thinking they got Chinese in for dinner and it's, uh, yeah, like, you know, the Americanized Chinese. Yeah, he's just calling up his favorite chain restaurant. Vanessa, I will get you any Panda Express that you wish. Vanessa, what's wrong? Your lao mein is getting cold. (laughs) Did you need me to eat it for you? Uh, it cuts away from them, like, talking to uh, Hammerhead because he's sneaking up on the place. And yep. he just one-shots this poor guard <laughs> who's, like, just out on patrol. And then, like, from about a foot, he just, like, smashes his head into this guy. And he's snoring. He's out instantly. Yep. <laughs> ping! Done. He just gets that guy gets wrecked from just blind his blind spot. Boom. And then he actually is snoring, which is fucking. Maybe the maybe the original cut, it looked like he was dead, and they were like, wait, it's a kid's show. Quick, just <laughs> yeah, put on some that's snoring. A good point. <laughs> Throw a little snore in there, and then it, and then it gets a little it, it softens it a lot. Yeah. But to be fair, Vanessa, uh, you know, he asks her what's wrong, and she says the one thing that will get under his skin, which is the one thing that's true. She's like, I love you, but I hate. All this crime. Crime has taken over your entire life. Nonsense. When have I not had time for you? Yes? My dear, this is business. You see what I mean? Yeah, when he sends her away, he has this, I'm gonna pay for this shit look on his face. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just like, fuck, fuck, fuck. He looks at the like, butler and he's like, make up the couch. That's where I'm sleeping yeah. <laughs> tonight. <laughs> She's not going to do that thing I like. Aw. <laughs> Look at me. (laughs) Oh. So Hammerhead breaks in and Willie just sort of humors him for a second and then drops Mm -hmm. a chandelier on him. (laughs) I'll handle him myself. Hammerhead, what an audacious entrance. I am beside myself with surprise. And then he's like, all right, I got you where I want you. I'll hear you out here. Yeah. But Kingpin is so bemused by Hammerhead's pathetic intelligence reporting. I can tell you what Silvermane's doing, like how he's trying to get the tablet of time. So everyone wants that. And this always happens. Like henchmen show up. They make him laugh. And then he's like, you know what? Fuck it. You work for me. Like, I love this guy. Like, it's exactly what happened with. With the fucking hobgoblin. He's just like, I love this guy. It makes me laugh. You're like, this sounds like a terrible idea. You shouldn't allow it. It's like, nah, what's the worst that could happen? You're wrong, Smythe. (laughs) I do agree with you, Vero, that the chandelier dropping on Hammerhead should have given him like a cut. (laughs) Yeah. Like his skin's not adamantium. He should be bleeding from a lot of orifices. It's glass just shattering or crystal or diamond. Like Probably all of the above. He only handles the best. There's a lot of exposition in this scene. It's literally just Kingpin getting told by Hammerhead stuff we already know. Smythe's back, baby. Yeah! And it's it's implied we have a new robot. That new project of yours, Smythe, is it ready to obtain the Tablet of Time for me? Ready and able. 
We have a new something, but I guess we're going to have to wait until later. Oh, yeah. What, what's Smythe going to do? Yeah, what's Smythe you, building? You think, you think it's going to be something other than a robot? Yeah. What, what do you think that's going to be? Maybe he has a fucking robot. Shut up, all right? It's a trained dog. <laughs> <laughs> it's a gun. You just shoot Spider-Man in the fucking head. He doesn't have armor. It's great. And then Skipin's yep. just like, but is it a robot gun? No, it's just a real gun. <laughs> Mounted on a robot that we control with radio waves. That's how Deadpool did it. At ESU, a female character we've never seen before chats with Deborah Whitman about Connor's lab as Spider-Man shows up for his nightly radiation bath. Their session is interrupted by a giant robot, Smythe's Mega Slayer, which is here to steal the Tablet of Time. A fight and a chase take place. But the latest and greatest Slayer's firepower proves too much for Spidey, forcing him to retreat as the robot gets away with the prize. Oh, man, such a shocker. I've never seen this person before. Who could it be? Yeah, Elisa, which is a name that is kind of weird, but that's fine, is played by Lee Aline Baker, who's got a very long career doing guest spots and voice work for video games and kid shows, including Will and Grace and she's been in, like, Gears of War, God of War, Mass Effect, a bunch of those games. I like uh, actors that make a living from it and are not super famous. But they're usually good, <laughs> like, when they're voice actors like that, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Like, Frank Welker is a god. All right, Deborah, work-life balance, Whitman's back. Yeah, she's diversifying her uh, her interests a little bit. Yeah, she's well, she was already committed to having a social life and getting a good night's sleep beforehand, but now she's got Flash, fresh from his plasma transfusion, he's alive again, and already delegating to the undergrads. Yeah, Elisa's like... Deborah, what's on the agenda tonight? <laughs> Deborah's like... Mm, the usual, Elisa. Sterilize the Petri dishes and tidy up the lab. Oh, and absolutely get railed by the star of the football team. Jealous bitch, see ya! Coming, Flash! <laughs> Bye! Gets in the fucking convertible. Yeah. Bye! See, those first two things, though, are basically Vero's normal nights. Shut work. up. And then they drop the whole, like... Oh, and don't disturb Doc Connors, either. What's he always doing around this time that's such a big secret? Probably some experiment that'll help us get that Tombs research grant. Even Deborah's like, I don't know what he fucking does in there all night. It's weird, but it's probably important. Okay, bye. <laughs> bye. And then Alisa catches Spider-Man web-slinging into Doc Connors' lab and is already intrigued. And then Doc Connors is super fucking shady. He gives us this huge, like, cartoony look both directions thing. Yeah. Oh, 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 better close that window. That's how we Nobody do it. Nobody saw that in New York City. Nobody's, uh, there's no people around, right? And then Connors shows uh, Spider-Man how the tablet of time works. Yeah, but Spider-Man walks up to the tablet because it's on this desk in the lab and he says, So that's the tablet, huh? As if he didn't just save it <laughs> yeah, just less than 24 <laughs> hours ago. This is the first time he's seeing him since the tablet showed up. So it was less than 24 hours ago that he saved the tablet and I'm sure that was on the news and he acts like he's never seen the tablet before. No, but he only saw the tablet when it was encased in that metal casing. It's still encased in a metal case, and that's what Connor says. We've had to encase it in protective metal. And then that's when he brings out the flowers given to him by some overly zealous student. 
uh, this thing does actually work, turns out. And the MacGuffin for this... Well, kind of. Yeah, the MacGuffin for this episode is the idea that the tablet could actually cure Spider-Man of his mutation. So now he's actually invested in this archaeological find, as opposed to just thinking, oh, it's worth some money and whatever. Yeah, but so far, all they are able to do is use it to destroy life, so... It's powerful, but it's unpredictable. Just like Peter Parker. Boom. But then Doc Connors goes and busts out these flowers to go and show Spider-Man that it doesn't work. He's just like, I was going to give these flowers to my wife, but she's a fucking bitch. (laughs) I was going to give these flowers to my wife, but it's already eight o'clock, so she's probably passed out drunk. (laughs) What's wrong? Why are you guys ripping on this lady? She's done. She's done nothing but stand by her man and protect her. Your terrible child. It's true. You know who I hate though, Billy. Fuck that kid. Fuck that kid and can't is inability to ride a bicycle. You know what else is dangerous and should be locked up? The Neogenic Recombinator. For fuck's sakes. <laughs> Surely putting them in the same room under the under supervision of the same guy <laughs> leads to no negative consequences. Uh, 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 I am a god. <laughs> so he's super expressive with his one arm, which makes me think he's probably just been drinking wine from a can all day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just a little, he's, you know, he's what else him. is he doing? He doesn't know anything about this tablet. He's like, oh my god, these fucking people gave me this tablet. I don't know well, anything he's definitely about not archaeology. Like drinking wine from a bottle, you'd never be able to open it. <laughs> oh god! <laughs> no, the recombinator opens it. <laughs> well, he's like prying it off on the recombinator. Like it's fine. They made this bitch like built the last. <laughs> like he's just using it to crack beers half the time. <laughs> He put a he put a bottle opener on the recombinator. Let's be honest, a wine opener. Yeah, why not? It's got a. It's one of those like multi tools. Yeah, yeah. It's like saw, <laughs> scissors, wine opener, neogenic recombinator. <laughs> exactly. Toothpick. Ah, <laughs> oh, you set it on wine open mode. Sorry. Just uh, in your stomach. Uh, <laughs> so Spider-Man's getting his uh, laser treatment here. Yep. And uh, a fucking robot bursts through the wall like a weaponized Japanese mech Kool-Aid man. <laughs> and just starts laying waste to the lab. Oh, yes. <laughs> Bottom translation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Smythe's just like, I've always wanted to do that. And Spider-Man has that great quip. Not another robot. Why aren't women this attracted to me? Oh. Yeah, that was a good one. Oh. I liked oh, and then all of a sudden, during the fight in the lab, we pan to Doc Connors and Rutro, something's happening. Yeah, it's uh, what I warned everyone about earlier in this episode. Yeah, he's having a little bit of lizard reflux or whatever you want to call it. Am I seeing things? Is Doc Connors mutating? Spider-Man realizes that the tablet's the robot's target, and so makes, of course, a hilarious little quip before he pieces out. Sorry, I have to take one tablet every night before bed. Top-notch quip. That also simultaneously de-stresses Doc Connors back to his human form, so now we've got that ticking time bomb in the back of our heads. It's a pretty good fight that kind of comes from all of this here. Spider-Man gets trucked. It's a little, look what I can do. Like, it, it has to outline all the stuff that the robot can do. I've built the ultimate battle robot. It's got missiles, lasers, and pulse blasters. And it's 
humanoid design makes it extremely versatile. But it's still a pretty fun little battle, and I actually enjoyed it. Yep, the robot just fucking boots Spider-Man. Yeah, with his weird horse feet. I mean, it's not air conditioning like it hurt, but that looked like it hurt. There's also no giant robot in the comic. You know what this one really reminded me of was um, if you've seen the 1960s Spider-Man episode where J. Jonah Jameson gets a robot to attack Spider-Man and he's like piloting it. And it's got his face. Oh, mm. that might be based on one of the original run uh, Amazing Spider-Man editions as well. It looks a lot like it, but apparently it doesn't have enough visual acuity to realize that he's stepping onto a very, very fragile Sort of overhang to the building. Oh, yes. And he's still lobbing all of these weapons at Spider-Man, who's holding the thousand-year-old artifact. I mean, it's encased in metal, but, like, not smart, man. He does that this whole episode. I really don't like that. Also, Spice should have realized that the screen that the Mega Slayer is projecting his head on has a green background, and Smythe's wearing a green shirt, so he just sort of looks like a weird floating head. <laughs> it's like when you wear a white shirt on driver's license day. Yeah, you look like an idiot. He's just blending into the background. Smythe corners Spider-Man, and he's got him on the ropes, and he says, Adios, wall weasel. Yeah. <laughs> They're struggling to come up with names harder than I do at the beginning of these episodes. Like, that fucking sucks, dude. What the hell does that even mean? Wall weasel? I know. Also, he lands in a poultry factory, and, like, there's not even a quip for that. He's just like, oh, I hate robots. And I'm like, is this supposed to be a comedy bit that there's, like, a chicken on his shoulder now? Aha. Uh-huh. You know what bothered me the most? Is that Smythe goes and says, humanoid design makes it extremely versatile. I have to disagree. If anything, it, all it does is make it more easily operated by a human. I think it's just he needed something that could reach up and grab a guy who lands on his back. Because that was what he would just kept doing <laughs> to all of his other slayers. He'd land on the back and do stuff. And he had right. no ability to stop him. So it's at true. least now as a robot could just reach back there and swat him off. Yeah, And then right. he also made sure he was unstickable. Unstickable. Smythe lines up the kill shot because he's like, oh, I got the tablet. Now I can kill Spider-Man. And guess who calls Kingpin? Wants an update. But for once in his life, Kingpin's not like watching the feed. Oh, yeah, you're right. No, yeah, it was weird. Normally, Smythe watch, makes him watch the feed and then he would have. I mean, it saved Spider-Man's bacon. Smythe, what's taking so long? Report. Blast you. What did you say? I have the tablet. Yeah, I just think Smythe is inept anyways. Probably would have missed from point blank range. (laughs) We get a pair of short scenes, starting with Spider-Man changing back into Peter Parker after checking up on Doc Connors. He then runs into Elisa, the female character we've known and loved forever, who asks Peter to walk her home. After spotting his ex Mary Jane and supposed BFF Harry Osborne canoodling, Peter finally agrees to take a hint and have dinner with Elisa, of whom we have no suspicions. I don't even know why I'd say that. You're right. <laughs> like It's such a creepy scene of Peter getting out of the bushes, still getting dressed. Like If someone <laughs> was walking down the street, they'd be like, How's this creeper doing in the bushes? Yeah, putting on a shirt near the ladies' dormitory. (laughs) He also takes off his mask whilst he's on the building as Spider-Man and then goes into the bushes. It feels like a mask is your last thing you should take off, right? Exactly. 
But then again, it reminds me of the um, the time that Lex Luthor took over Flash's body. And he's like, oh my god, I'm Flash. I can go and unmask this person. He removes the mask. He's like, I have no idea who this is. Oh, <laughs> yes, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, like, people can go and see you. Apparently. It doesn't mean they know well, who you are. but people are, are going to recognize you around campus, yeah, if ESU. anywhere. Because fair, fucking, fair. This is where you go to school, like, and this is the, you know, this is where you work. And Elisa sees him get out of the bush and immediately is like, oh, Peter, what are you doing here? Like, oh. Uh, what are you doing here? Why are you such a bitch? <laughs> <laughs> He's pretty dismissive of her, actually, yeah. as they're, like, well, going for a walk. Listen, you always dismiss the undergrads, let's be honest. Jess sees she's like, I never thought something like that could happen here. <laughs> and then looks <laughs> looks at the at like Doc Connors and then looks back at Peter and she's like, I never thought something like that could happen here. Peter, I'm scared. Will you walk me to my apartment? It took like ten seconds her looking at like Doc Connors and looking back. I'm like, Jesus. Real talk. She does some of these line reads here like a fucking alien who read about emotions in a book (laughs) written by a different alien. Like, what the (laughs) fuck is that? (laughs) She says, I never thought something like that could happen here. Uh, A week ago, people were dropping left, right and center from a plasma draining vampire. But okay, seriously, are you new? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, she is new. Evidently. No, wait, she's not. We've no, she's not. Everyone Don't. knows her. She's been retconned yeah. that everybody knows no, her. No, it's our beloved Elisa. Cut this. Cut all this. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then poor and Peter's just being extremely dismissive of her till he spots MJ and Harry having a great time and is immediately like, you know what? Screw those guys. I'm gonna go on a date. Yeah, Peter does the casual drive-by creeping. Yep. And then they like silently walk together while Peter's just like Mary Jane. Yeah. Yeah. It's another instance of if you couldn't hear Peter's thoughts, this would be a fucking weird scene, man. (laughs) And then he smiles awkwardly at her. Like she's just still waiting for his answer. And now he's silent for so long that it's awkward because she asked him to dinner. And then he said nothing for about 15 (laughs) seconds. And then he, and so she's just like, I can't look at him. Like, Oh my God. Like I remember being young and like putting yourself out there. That's fucking horrifying. And then he's like, you know what? Let's get dinner. Vindication. (laughs) The Kingpin visits his secret robot lab in the back of a toy shop to find Smythe fucking up the whole tablet of time thing. He seems to have made it radioactive. And so sends the mega slayer out to get a real expert. Yeah, I said it. The toy store is called WF toys. I didn't put it together till watching it again, where it's basically Wilson Fisk toys. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was really that was clever. I think I that's what it I is. I didn't notice yeah. that. So why does the Kingpin need to use the code phrase to get into the lab? <laughs> like some sort of fucking hipster speakeasy. You know like, what? Maybe he was very proud of these code words and they just always have to use them. What do you have in the way of robots? Robots are very popular in the toy biz. We have an excellent selection, sir. Right behind that door. No, it's pretty fucking clear who he is. Nobody's mistaking this sedan of a human being for somebody else. Uh, So this door opens up to his secret lab. You can totally see it from the street. It's not around a corner or down <laughs> some stairs or any. Or leave it like hidden behind a shelf. Like it's the shelf just moves away and it's immediately visible from the front counter. And the front counter has a giant like pane of glass behind it. So you can see that shit, too. There's just 
three kids that have their noses pressed up the get against the glass, like, whoa. Oh, are all the good toys in there? And then they have to kill some kids. Yeah. So Smythe uh, gives a really long-winded explanation as to why the Tablet of Time is now radioactive. Why is it doing that? It seems to react to light. Just a few minutes ago, I bombarded it with infrared rays. Now it's giving off radiation in increasing amounts. And it's basically <laughs> oh just gosh. like, yeah, I fucked up. <laughs> like TLDR. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I just um, bombarded with some shit. Why? I don't know. You got to bombard something. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> but let's not put any fucking shielding between us and it. King Pen just puts his hands in front of his Good crotch. Point. <laughs> like slowly, like oh, I can't be bald everywhere. <laughs> Vanessa will be disappointed if I lost potency. <laughs> and then the way Kingpin's like, "Have you deciphered it yet?" And he's like, "No." He's all like mad about it. <laughs> what? How difficult can it be? Have you translated it yet, Alistair? After the money I've spent on this new Mega Slayer construction site, I hope the answer is yes. No. What? How difficult can it be? <laughs> it reminded me of uh, of the sound of music, that little bit. Cause it's like so long, farewell, oh Wabi Dzang. I'd like to stay and taste my first champagne. Yes. No. <laughs> what? <laughs> so earlier, Smythe said, oh, I didn't get Connors. And then Kingpin is like, do we need him? And then here in the scene, is just like, no, we need Connors. Because <laughs> Smythe's such a fuck up. Go get him. And he needs the real expert here. Yeah. The real expert in like neogenics. Call like Stillwell or something. The translating part is not his forte at all, right? Uh-huh. Get, go get Metcalf. Yeah. At the home of Kirk Connors, we find the good doctor telling his wife to take Billy away because the lizard might be coming back. Spider-Man shows up to talk, but the Mega Slayer smashes its way in to kidnap Doc Connors. The stress causes him to transform, and in the ensuing fight, Smythe makes do with kidnapping Mrs. Connors and demanding that Spider-Man bring Kurt for a trade. Unfortunately for him, the lizard is already gone. The line read of Kirk Connors being like, Margaret, you have to go and take Billy. She's like, no, I want to stay and help. You have to take Billy. But like the face is the exact same. <laughs> I know. Oh my God. Connor's face and his expression are just like miles apart. Like, yeah. like, his face says he feels bad that he forgot to preheat the oven for dinner. And then his voice says that he's like on the edge of a breakdown. <laughs> if I change you to that creature, you'll be in terrible danger. Go stay with Billy at your sister's, please. But Kurt, you may need me. Please. Please! please. <laughs> Nedry, please! I hate that. Oh, God. But fucking Billy. I'm thankful he's not even on this fucking screen. Actually, the way he says it, it made it sound like Billy is already at her sister's. Right. Because he doesn't say, like, take Billy to your sister's. He says, go stay with Billy at your sister's place, which implies Billy is already at oh, her yeah. sister's place. <laughs> He's such a disappointment. He doesn't even live with his parents. No, no, no. This was clearly the romantic weekend. Their once a month romantic weekend. <laughs> Maybe. Spider-Man, after, I don't know, being with Connors every day for the last potentially, what we'll say, two months, finally is like, 
You sure are full of surprises, Doc. When did the lizard begin to rear his ugly head again? For months I've been feeling it coming on. It happens when I'm under extreme stress. And I'm just picturing a smash cut of all these instances where <laughs> Spider-Man's like just so focused on himself in the lab and Connors is like doubled over, like turning into the lizard. And Spider-Man's like, he like oh. stubs his toe, is freaking out and turning into <laughs> lizard, smashing the lab. But like Spider-Man is just like flicking one of those bean things on the counter. Or like reading a magazine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just like a tanning bed. He's got like the metal thing that you use to reflect the light up. Connors is like, oh, I got scooped again. Rawr! Like turns into the lizard for half a second. They're towing my car. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Spider-Man's just like, but Morbius, say. Like he just can't, won't even give Connors the time of day. I like that Spider-Man webs his face and then the robot face just rotates and another robot face is there. I thought that was kind of cool. That was actually a pretty good one. That's why you have three screens. But also he added the screens like... Why? Because he knows that Spider-Man's going to web his screen, yeah. But you want to show yourself? Like, who fucking cares? It's not like the screen is the camera that allows him to see. As a villain, you should just probably hide your identity. Nah, I think he just wants to show off his face. All he cares about is revenge. Spider-Man eats it into a car, though. Yeah, Spice being real liberal with those fucking rockets again. He says he wants Connors alive, but he's like, I'll still launch rockets right next to your face. Yeah, no problem. I mean, he can be deaf. He just has to read. Okay. I guess so. (laughs) All that results in him turning into the lizard. And the lizard actually fucking goes a little nuts here, eh? He's doing some work on that robot. The lizard's doing the weird Black Widow, like, take you down from your head with my legs. Somehow, counterweight throw. Just strong thighs. Like, the only thing that stops him from beating up this fucking robot is the fact that his wife yells at him and then he does the old school episode one, Margaret. Margaret. While he's distracted, he gets zapped. I don't see the lizard, but I see a man wearing a lab coat. And if I enhance the name tag, it says Connors. But I don't think Connors is a living reptile, right? I can't see Connors. Then get his wife. Get somebody. But whatever. Um, I'm just going to roll with it. So I'm going to take this woman and very firmly give you six hours. Bring Connors to the top of the Empire State Building in six hours. Smythe, I can't. Listen to me. Six hours. Yeah, six hours. It's like, why such an arbitrary number? It's a generous time to ensure that Connors gets captured. <laughs> I feel like Smythe just has an appointment. He's like, I've got to, you know, I'm going to go to the gym. I got to, you know, I'm going to get a little massage afterwards, some me time. And then, uh, yeah, then we can then we can do this whole hostage exchange. Yeah. It's so stupid. It's like, all right, I need Connors then. Oh, shit. Like, he's the lizard for less than a minute. And he's like, yippee ki I'm in the subway. Like, yeah. fucking down the chute. <laughs> He's immediately back in the subway where he belongs. He's so much happier there. I'm back in the hall. (laughs) Meanwhile, at the mob boss retirement villa, Silvermane has hired the criminal Tombstone to get the Tablet of Time. And we discover that Elisa, the woman we knew so well, is actually Elisa Silvermane. What a twist! Also, while Smythe and Kingpin continue to struggle to control the Tablet of Time, Mrs. Kingpin is kidnapped by Tombstone for some reason. Yay, Tombstone! But that fucking collar, it's the size of his head. Yeah, Morbius has collar envy all the way from his weird (laughs) cave. Why didn't I think of getting that polo shirt from Sears? Not at all! (laughs) 
are you up to? <laughs> oh. Tombstone is played here by Dorian Harewood, who's got an IMDb credit page about a mile long. He was pretty much everywhere in the late 80s and early 90s cartoons. Uh, he played War Machine on the Iron Man cartoon. Oh, nice. And was one of the Monstars from Space Jam. Ah! And uh, yeah, he's still working. In fact, he did the voice for the Barbarian in Diablo 3. Which Monstar was he? Was he the Charles Barkley one? I don't know that. Oh, he's the purple Monstar. Okay, great. Tombstone, uh, unless you like really know the character, it's probably a surprise that his voice uh, is the way that it is. But his backstory is that he was one of the only albino kids in Harlem, and he was ra- he was razzed about that a lot. So it makes sense if you know the character. It's a strong accent. Getting a tablet from the kingpin ain't gonna be easy, Silvermane. You know what I'm saying? He's got a little bit of slang in there. Like, it's kind of fun. Um, and I think it even kind of wears off a bit on Silvermane because then Silvermane calls him fool. Silence, fool! Not surprised at all, though, that Elisa is his daughter. That's no way to talk to my daughter! If characters didn't always wear the same damn thing in these cartoons, then it would have been far more shocking. When she went and saw like work-life balanced Whitman, it, I'm like, oh, it's her. Okay. It's those little booties that give it away. They focus so hard on them. It's a weird thing is her voice gets different here. Like It's oh. a little eviler or more naive, I guess, is really what she's looking to do. Oh, Just yeah. Just people yeah, off yeah. by being innocent. Peter, I'm scared. Will you walk me to my apartment? And then her voice completely flips here. I work for Dr. Connors. We'll lay a trap for him at the Neogenics lab at ESU. So do you think she's actually into Peter? No, I think it's an in to Connors. Oh, right. Because like Peter is Connors is like golden boy. I don't know if daddy would let her have a boyfriend. I think it's fine. I think she's just sort of like, she saw him coming out of the bushes, half dressed. And she's like, Can get some of that. Good Lord. Look at that dong. <laughs> yeah. I mean... And then Tombstone's comment here, it's like, Oh yeah, not bad looking for a snitch. <laughs> it's just, and then Silvermane's just like, that's my fucking daughter. She's like, oh, whatever. Like, who did he think she was? Like, just wandering in there. Like, I thought Tombstone would have a burn on Silvermane about Elisa being young and him being so old. She's only, what, 20, maybe? And uh, they make a huge point about him being so old that he's like, gonna die basically they don't want to come out and say i'm gonna die soon but that's what's implied here right is that he's so old he's gonna die so like that's a pretty big gap so maybe he had a super young trophy wife yeah (laughs) who probably met some mysterious fate that we're not allowed to know about i mean that kind of transition because uh mob boss wives be in peril here Mm -hmm. much like vanessa fisk is right now driver you passed the restaurant we're being followed ma'am what Quickly, lose them. Yeah, the driver is way too husky for the voice that they give him. (laughs) It does not match. (laughs) There's a pretty good little chase here through the city. Then the driver drives well up right up until he ends up in a dead-end alley. And then Tombstone shows up, just rips the fucking door off the limo. Yeah. Yeah. Could have just opened it. He could have literally just opened it. So, well, I think it's clearly implied that Vanessa's going to be held ransom for the tablet. That, that seems like what's going to happen. This is your stop, Ms. Kingpin. I'm warning you. My husband will not tolerate this. Yeah, I know. That's why he'll give me just what I want to get you back. So there's a little exchange here with Fisk and Smythe. I 
can't stop the chain reaction. I think we should destroy it. There's too much power to control. And so Kingpin says, Controlling power is what I do best, Smythe. I'm like, no, that's not the same thing. You're a fucking idiot. You're going to die. <laughs> At least they tried to put a, some kind of shield on it. Yeah, oh yeah, now, finally. It's literally pulsing even faster now. Yeah, Smythe is real worried. Spider-Man goes hunting for the lizard, tracking him through the subway system. They have a rumble in the tunnel, and Spider-Man manages to taser the brute, knocking him out. He takes the incapacitated body back to the Connors lab, where he uses the Neogenic Recombinator to transform him back to normal. Well, that fight's pretty sweet. Yeah, um, I, like even if you discount the fact that he again uses electricity to incapacitate him. It's a scorpion uh, all over again. <laughs> It's a yeah. bunch of things like he did the same thing to spider slayers like that's been his go to for a lot of stuff. I'm pretty sure the only villain he couldn't have used that against was Shocker. Probably. But that's sound waves. <laughs> Smythe. It's sound, you idiot. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the Shocker wouldn't know, though. He'd think he'd be OK to touch electricity and then he would get killed. <laughs> I won't get shocked. Yeah, exactly. I actually liked this fight because when they first have their wrestling match, Spider-Man jumps up to that like T space between the two tunnels and then they fight again and he tries to go back to that sort of elevated position and they've an they animate it in a way that the lizard anticipates that and like already destroys it. So he can't go back onto that area. Yeah, he falls like an idiot. Yeah, it kind of shows that the lizard's already Maybe he's a bit better in his, like, brain capacity this time, because Spider-Man makes a reference of the lizard being, like, bigger and meaner, whether it's because he forgot right. what it's like to fight the lizard or not. I also enjoyed the, the way that he has to kind of dodge the train as it comes through. He kind of hides to the far side of it, uses it to his advantage, even though it almost kills him. Uh, it's pretty cool. It's classic, like, <clears throat> boss fight environmental uh, hazard. Uh, but it's it's pretty short. Like, he makes quick work of the lizard, just zaps him, and uh, then just sort of picks him up and carries him back to the lab, inconspicuous-like. I would have liked him to carry him like a baby. <laughs> just oh, like, he's way bigger than him. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Well, he carries him, like, <laughs> like scoops him up, like, shh. No, I'm not gonna hurt you. No, not gonna it's hurt good you. night for you. Should have had him snoring as well. Oh. <laughs> if you count Spider-Man carrying the lizard off here, it's the third kidnapping in this episode. It's true. It seems kind of excessive. They're all taking a partner this whole episode. Spider-Man kidnaps the lizard. Vanessa Fisk is kidnapped by Tombstone, and the Mega Slayer kidnaps Mrs. Connors. Yep. When they get back to the lab. He throws the lizard's body into the chamber and then just shoots him with radiation and hopes for the best. <laughs> Some solid science from Peter Parker. Again, so the recombinator can go and make the monsters, but also just reverse it. Is there any special setting on the recombinator? <laughs> like The way Peter drops it, it makes it seem like maybe he's hoping that whatever the setting is on right now will work on Connors as well. Right. Let's hope this works as well on your mutation as it does on mine. No, it's just a dial of like a human diagram, and then it's like a half circle to like monstrosity. <laughs> you just have to dial it back to human. So what you're saying, Kev, is like it was already on the don't make Spider-Man mutate setting. It was it was already set to demonstrification. <laughs> Evolve. Uh, yeah. And, and so he's just hoping he doesn't have to tinker too much more with that. Mm -hmm. 
hoping for the best. And it, it's, it pretty much works. I love the little animation on Doc Connors' hand as it retreats back into his, like, his uh, amputated arm. It's just like, oh, take my strong hand. <laughs> yeah, but then it ends and he's still got like a big patch of green. Yeah, that was like, kind a of bad weird. animation. I don't know yeah. what the hell that was supposed to be. Yeah, we couldn't figure mm-hmm. that out. But we didn't really have time to figure that out because the bow on this episode oh. has Tombstone bursting into the lab and wrecking up the place. The recombinator makes things pretty dangerous, but unfortunately, Tombstone has the upper hand in a fight to the death. So, since you brought that up, he's like, Who the heck are you? My enemies call me Tombstone. I'm like, well, what do your friends call you? Didn't Silvermane call you Tombstone? That's his employer. I guess his friends just call him Lonnie? If you pause the episode, uh, you can see that they just put a couple of wooden boards over that giant yeah, hole that was made by the Mega Slayer. <laughs> so the Tombstone smashes it down again. It's just wood. But, like, logically, we know that this is several stories off the ground, and then Tombstone just waltzes in. He doesn't have a rope or, like, a, a helicopter or anything. He just, like, walks in, like, off the ledge, I guess. It's like the T-Rex in Jurassic Park. Like, how'd you even get here? Ah, fuck it. It works for the plot. And then, and then also, as he comes in, he says, Dr. Connors, I presume. Yeah. No, that's clearly Spider-Man. <laughs> Obviously, Tombstone thought of that line and thought it was really good <laughs> on his way over there. And then he said it, even though it didn't make sense. He's really fuck. I'm saying it anyways. Yeah, I'm saying it. I don't give a shit. I absolutely have the last line that Tombstone says in this episode etched into my brain. Let go or we'll both suffocate. <laughs> Speak for yourself, bug boy. I don't. And I think remember watching it as a kid and just being so blown away that someone could be alive but couldn't breathe. I I literally could not process that. I was like, wait, so like, how is he? Is he like undead? Like, what? Kind of. (laughs) Yeah, we can't escape the undead in this show. Yeah. I think it's partly because they didn't explain his powers ever. Other than when Spider-Man says he feels like he was hit by a slab of granite. Yeah, he like, the recombinator just goes buck fucking wild and zaps a whole bunch of random shit on the shelf. And then it all just explodes and this delightful gas fills the place. So fuck it, I don't know. You think that Spider-Man would have been more aware of the dangers of not properly containing the neogenic recombinator, having just witnessed Morbius turn into a giant ass monster and fly away. Why has no one fucking locked up this Neogenic Recombinator yet? <laughs> it's supposed it to be where it's safest. Fuck. It's behind the wooden panel. It's a fucking hazard. It doesn't even have, like, an activation code. Like, I'd at least buy that no. Spider-Man has to plug in, like, a num- number thing to turn it on, but no. Yeah, it's like two keys have to turn. Turn the shit on. No, but it's also cutting through walls. Yeah. The laser is that powerful. (laughs) Oh my gosh, guys. Well, I guess we're going to have to wait till next time to find out who comes away with the tablet of time because our time is almost up. And that means we've got to etch out our arbitrary spider ratings where we summarize the episode with whatever idiotic metric we can come up with off the top of our heads. Peter, heads or tails? Tails. Vero. Oh, um, I'm going to give this episode eight and a half emerald eye lasers. 
out of 10. Yeah, really solid. Action's great. Uh, a lot of things happen, but you don't get too much whiplash. They seamlessly transition all the moving parts together. And uh, the fights were really sweet. We had a lot of them. And uh, there were some great quips. Yeah. Not bad. Peter, what about you? Um, I'm going to rate it 8 out of 10 liver spots. <laughs> nice. Like Vero said, lots of good quips. You know, it was good to see some fresh villains for once. I just got very fatigued from the four episodes of uh, Morbius. So it's good to see some fresh stories. It's good to have Peter's comic book minute actually have something to talk about. Yeah, no, it was, overall it was pretty good. All right. And uh, as for me, I'm going to give this one four centimeters of thick adamantium skull out of five. Uh, I actually enjoyed this one quite a bit. It moved a little fast um, because they had to cram in a lot of story, but they made it work. And Spider-Man is once again outclassed by someone who just showed up, which is kind of a trope with the show. Um, But uh, all in all, it was pretty damn good. But of course, my heart was broken by the turning of my favorite character, Elisa. (gasps) I didn't see that one coming. We could never have known. Who knew she was evil? I sure didn't. Well, you know what? It's kind of weird that Smythe took all episode and he still couldn't decipher the words on the tablet of time. Hmm. I have a tablet here that uh, prophesizes the future. You Really? Yeah, it's a Android phone and it has the Daily Bugle app. Oh, you son of a bitch. He's supposed to have some big scoop. The moment all America has been waiting for. Today's issue with Bugle. Brock's big scoop. Eddie Brock's biggest scoop. Big news, too. That's unbelievable. Exactly how did you happen to get this? And the headline for the next episode says, Silvermane plans to use the Tablet of Time to make himself younger. He kidnaps Connors to study it before using it on himself. But Kingpin is determined to make sure that Silvermane fails. Oh, man. I'm excited. You guys excited? Um, I'm fully torqued. <laughs> I'm excited for the full recreation of a Toltec temple inside some sort of skyscraper. <laughs> <laughs> that's all we can. Uh, that's all we can ask of you for sure. So as we set off the top, please check us out online. All our links are on our website, radioactivespiderpod.com. If you liked our episode, please share it with your friends, family and gambling obsessed ancient Mayan shaman. And hey, if you loved it, consider uh, talking about us on social media, supporting us on Patreon, patreon.com slash radioactivespiderpod or rating and reviewing us on your podcast service of choice helps get the show out there much like our uh, friend of the pod shannon who's basically written our best of episode for us which we appreciated we'll be back at you in two weeks with our next episode until then this is radioactive spider pod saying plan ahead before bombarding strange artifacts with infrared rays keep swinging stay cool i'm still broken up about elisa <laughs> <laughs> Clear the front page, Robbie. This is news.